Today on the show, we talk the What's What of the Week, and we're going to talk about the late, great Sean Connery, and more so his role in Bond and Bond down the line. We've the tear with the Custer Cranes and Rare to Go Wallets at the Ready. The arcade is open for business. Bing bong, Diego Widow is Falchers in the Arcade Podcast, through Irish Last Talk to What's What and Game and Movies and everything in between and all that sweet jazz. My name is Sean and with me is Stephen. Hello, hello. You were listening to episode 18 of the Arcade Podcast, coming to you on a fine November morning. <laughs> and it's a great day to put up the Christmas tree, isn't it, Stephen? No. It is. It's too, it's too early. It's never too early for the... Well, it is. Okay, it is. I definitely think August is like a terrible month to put your Christmas tree up in. <laughs> but, you know, Halloween's done and dusted with... It's time now. By, by a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah. We're not even the full 24 hours over Halloween and like October and already people are in the Christmas gear. Like it's bad enough that the shops have already kind of like they've been in the Christmas mode for like the last two weeks. You know, you've seen Christmas kind of be rolling into shops yeah. like Tesco's and Dunn's and everywhere. But like even today, I've seen Christmas trees in houses. You've seen them in living room windows. No, oh, yeah. It's, it's terrifying. But you know, it's it's happening. And I think... With the year that's in it, you know, just... It's a really weird year. Just throw up your Christmas tree and enjoy it, because you probably won't get the Christmas you want. <laughs> so just fucking, you know, enjoy yourself. Just throw it up there and, you know, fuck everything else. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, we have a lot to talk about on the show today. And we do actually have a lot to talk yeah, about, because do. things happened this week, and I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm not a happy camper. Okay, let's, let's get real here. <laughs> There's a... We're going to talk about it, but look, I just, I, I've i said on the podcast before that there is this one developer out there that just can't do it all wrong, but they're starting to do wrong, and it's, it's getting on my tits now, just getting a bit annoyed. Anyway, let's kick off the show properly with the What's What of the Week, commonly referred to as the Goss on the Street. This is a segment of the show where we talk about what's been watching in the world during the week, and kicking off the What's What this week, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed for a third time. Oh, God. Oh, is it a third? It's, it's only this the third. Is, this is the third delay. I thought it was the fourth. No, it's four. This is the confusing thing. It's four release dates. Oh, three yes, 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 yes. Uh, so it's been pushed back. Now, originally said to come out. N- not originally. Last, it was updated. It was set to come out on November the nineteenth, which is pretty close. Now, you know, it's eighteen days away at this point. It's now been pushed back by like three weeks. It's coming out on the tenth of December now. So, it's quite a. It's a bit longer of a wait now, which is and it's a bit it's a bit surprising as well, considering that I think it was two weeks ago. Uh, it went gold. It went gold, which we said. <laughs> oh, talk about eating your words! Like we we actually said on the show that when a game goes gold, that's kind of it. You know, the devs are happy where the game is at. Yeah, but we're not alone on that. Like no. I've seen on social media people literally <laughs> commenting. Did they not say it was going gold? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like, what's going on? Like, It's that point in development where the developers kind of say, yeah, it's fine. The game is good where it is. That it's it's an accept- acceptable place that they can start printing discs and digital copies for production and, you know, um, retail and all that crap. But no, it, it's it's been delayed again. It's just so surprising. Uh, let's talk about this delay because I'm so... Oh, my brain just can't hack it at this point. So this delay, what's causing it? 
I don't know. It's the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. According to Cyberpunk, or not Cyberpunk, according to CD Projekt Red. Why? I don't know. So this is, this is what's happening, right? They have a lot of versions of this game to be tested now. Because games have to be tested, obviously, to make sure they're actually working. And from what I've gathered, uh, the PC version and the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X versions are running perfectly. Or at least they're running to an acceptable level. Do you know? Right. But this, uh, these PlayStation 4 and Xbox One versions are apparently what's keeping it back. All right. And they're now claiming that because of this, there's going to be a massive day zero patch. Ooh. So the game is going to have to like have a massive update just to be in somewhat of an acceptable level to be played when it comes out. Don't like day one patches. No, no. It's just... And especially with like current gen they just went ridiculous like day one patches are being like 25 gigs big like that just i'm just gonna play the that's game. the game the 25 gig patch is the game that should be on the disc you know what i mean it's just ridiculous yeah. um i also read an article this week on said delay <laughs> and uh it was during a conference where uh cd project red and their investors met and they basically said, right, well, how likely is this new release date? Because it's a logical question to ask, I thought. Of course it is. Because the game was meant to come out back in April and then September and then November. And now we're here it is coming in December. But um, yeah, they asked them, you know, how likely is this release date? And they said they're confident they can make it, but they're not entirely comfortable with said release date, which does not fill me full of hope in any way, shape or form. Yeah, no, it's. <laughs> I can see all the investors sitting around the table, like clutching at their yeah at their collars, going, "Oh, don't like not, this." It's not good. Like it's really, it's <clears throat> terrifying now. Yeah, but because point. of the delays, they're actually knocked out of game of the year twenty twenty. Yes. So because they've pushed it out, they were going to get in. Yeah. If they had released it in November, they were in with a chance of winning game of the year. If but now because they pushed it on. They're out, so yeah. I don't know. It's it's in the middle of December. Yeah, which only leaves you two weeks. It's roughly around the same week because the last uh, I remember last year, uh, the Game Awards were held on the on the twelfth, thirteenth of December. It's not enough time. No, it's 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 not enough time for a adjudicator to sit down and play it, examine it, and then. But then again, I never agreed with the Game Awards that the way they, the way they do their stuff because, like, you know, I like take about think of Red Dead Redemption Two when that came out. That was such an overhyped game, and it was like everyone was playing it, everyone loved it. You know, he's gone there. But it came out in October, and it was vying for Game of the Year of twenty eighteen. I never agree with Game Awards because they're in the same year that they're critiquing. Yeah, but the same thing is with the Oscars. No, they're and the year after. Oh, is it? Yeah. So, Oscars 2021 will be giving out awards to films that came out in 2020. Oh, okay. That's so what I think they should... not valid. Yeah, but I get what you mean. That's what I think they should do with the Game Awards. They should at least let it lie until, like, February or March. And then critique all of 2020. Because I think then the games have kind of gotten their their time to sort of shine. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Because, like, you take a game like Cyberpunk twenty seven seven. If it is what they're saying it's going to be, then it's you know going to get a game of the year nomination anyway. Yeah. You know, unless you're Kojima, then you're going to just get it anyway because you're Jeff Keighley's best friend. That's that's just <laughs> it. 
Like, so, uh, do you know. But anyway, that's not the point. Back to Cyberpunk. I'm worried. <laughs> I'm really worried. Of course you are. Because is the game coming? Am I going to get game, it? Yeah, look, the game is coming. It It's just... The CD Projekt Red are more of... They're kind of perfectionists. They don't fall into the category of most companies we won't name today because I do slam them all the time. Yes. They don't release broken games and then fix them as we go along. They're more give the people what they want, give them a completed game and then add the content in after, i.e. The Witcher. Yes. That was a completed game, you know, and then they just added a couple of, you know, small updates just to make sure that it ran perfectly. Yeah. And then the DLC came, which won game of the year. You know, that's the way it should, like it should be done. I wouldn't worry too much. You know, it's just because everyone's, we're getting so close. And then yeah. they just move the goalpost again. And they just move it again and again. And it's like, we've now come to the end of the year. So we only have a couple of weeks before the new year starts. So the, the likelihood of them deciding, let's move it on again, <laughs> is quite high. Yeah. Um, especially because they said to the investors, it is possible, but it's not comfortable. I can see them might, like, I can see them deciding, yeah, look, we're going to postpone it for a bit longer. Yeah. It's a terrible shame that we can actually say that we do see that coming. Because, like, to be fair to them, they've definitely, like, with each delay, they've kept it within the year it was supposed to be out. Like, the original release date for this was April 2020. But, and they've kept each release date in 2020. Honestly, I would have preferred that they just come out the first time around and said, we're moving it to April 2021. I would have been completely okay with that. <laughs> the fact that it keeps getting so close to it coming out and then they're like, nah, bro. <laughs> then no, we're trying to push on again. It's just, I, I can remember when I saw the post opening Facebook and seeing that big yellow fucking thing and you just know it's Cyberpunk and you're like, oh God. <laughs> they did it again. Oh. And it's, the Cyberpunk has actually bullied a lot of games out of December as well. I just want yeah. to bring that up. There are so many games, which names I can't remember at this point, who have just moved their games to February and March of 2021 because they're like, yeah, no, Cyberpunk's coming in December. Not a chance of us releasing our game in that fucking month anymore. Yeah. Whoopsies. <laughs> Let's just leave that alone. I hope that didn't cause much feedback. Anyway, yes, they've bullied games. <laughs> yeah, but it also upsets other game developers because no one wants to release a game the same time as another rival game studio yes because you're stealing someone else's thunder and i think because they've delayed it because obviously the initial one was april and then we've progressed on so someone would have said hold on now i'm not going to release my game in april because cyberpunk is coming out i'm going to postpone it (laughs) for a couple of months then for them to move it on a couple of months then they're like, oh, I could have released my game in April. Yeah. And then, like, I can see, like, some developers literally going, hold on. We have a window here of Christmas. <laughs> now CD Projekt Red are now going to release it at Christmas. Everyone is now literally bricking it going, we're going to lose billions. Yeah. You know. So it's, I can see people getting upset over it. Yeah, it's just, I think, you know, at this stage, 
it will be better if they're just if they should just come out and just <clears> say look it's not ready it's a good job it's a podcast and people can't actually see the sheer frustration on your oh, face it's horrible i just <laughs> like re- i am incredibly frustrated by this it's a terrible thing like just release the game okay and i was like because i i know and i my ego just came out with me this week uh because i've since ported myself over to pc a little bit more now in recent in recent months like a month i'd say <laughs> Um, and when I found out that the PC port was essentially in tip-top shape, I kind of got, well, just release the PC version in November and then fucking fuck the PS4 until the end. And then I was like, no, you can't do that. you got to be fair. You know, release them all at the one time. But at the same time, okay, this just, no. Yeah, well, normally what they'll do is they will release the consoles first. Yes. Then the PC. Because modders go insane and just wreck the game for everyone. Yeah. So it's release it on console. So I, like even if you are going to go team PC, probably aren't going to get it straight away. That's very true. That is very true. Um, it's just it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, I'm just adding your like to your frustration. That's all. Yes, you are. The game <laughs> has been in development for five years. We've known about this game for five years, and it's just getting longer and longer, and I just can't. Okay, we're going to move on now because this is just... I just can't do it anymore. Right, Cyberpunk 2077 is coming out in December now, okay? Just live with that. Accept it. That's where it is now. You know, take it up with your local game store. Don't care. This is just crazy. Uh, but moving on. Uh, Netflix is really getting in on this whole, like... You know, video game adaptation thingy, okay? We have Resident Evil coming. Yes. Now they're doing Assassin's Creed. Okay. Yeah, did you see this? They're going to adapt Assassin's Creed into a television show for Netflix. Yeah, but if you go back to like the previous podcasts, TV works better. It does. It does. Like The Witcher is proof of that. Yeah, because it's all about pacing yeah. and development. You can't take years of, you know, gaming lore and condense it down into a two-hour film. But you can take that and turn it into a, you know, 30, 40, 50-hour series. Yeah. You know, and it, it makes sense to do it. I can see the Assassin's Creed working as well. Mm. Um, I just, I genuinely think the Assassin's Creed movie just fell coming out the gate now see this is where my problem comes in here now because we've already had an assassin's creed adaptation and i know we've had resident evil adaptations as well but there's a difference with them okay resident evil films are popcorn movies okay you're not going to a resident evil film for the story you don't play the games for the story for the start off um but like when assassin's creed the movie was coming out it was sort of like it was a passion project. Like the, Michael Fassbender had pretty much worked very closely with the filmmakers in Ubisoft to sort of bring this to life as well. Do you know that's how big of a deal Assassin's Creed 2016 was? Okay, like a lot of things in like the mid tens <laughs> that Assassin's Creed okay. tried, and it just oh it, it it flopped so hard because they did the one thing that no one wanted them to do, which was they took the boring parts of the main games, which is the Desmond bits. <laughs> Now, bless Desmond, okay? He gets a hard knock in life, okay? But he did get better as the games went on. But yes, in the first game, his parts are incredibly boring. Because they, they consisted of absolutely nothing but walking around the room and 
Go from your bed to the animus. Press button to stand on table and listen to conversation. No, it's so mundane. But they made that the majority of the film. And it's not great. Yeah, because they lost the whole aspect of what Assassin's Creed is. Yes. It's not the actual present day person. It's the past person. It's the past person. Yes. It's the Ezio. It's the Connor Kenway. It's... Oh... Adeline. Is Adeline? Ad- yes. Aveline. Aveline. Aveline and uh, Arno, Jacob and Evie Fry. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's... All of them. Yeah, I know what you it's mean. It's them. It's the past people that we get interesting because they have the more extensive stories. We don't, <laughs> we don't play like Abstergo Simulator. We play Assassin's Creed. It ends the Assassin. Yes. It's focusing on... Like the bits of the actual Spanish Inquisition in the film were pretty cool. Yes, there's at and least... it was really engaging, but I think it's roughly about 10 minutes of footage. There, no, it's about, it's about at least 25 to 30 minutes of that runtime of the film. It's a two and a half hour film, and 30 minutes of it is fantastic. They're just so short little stints, and you're like, oh, can we go back to that? That was getting really interesting. Yeah. It's just... But then, like, that's what I'm trying to say. It falls short, and they miss the whole... <laughs> I don't want to see the character getting into the animus, which I have to say though, the animus in the movie is absolutely. It was something. Sick. It was something different. It, it but was it makes it different. realistic because the other ones were more like they're just taken sitting, from the Matrix. Yeah, you sit in a chair and you kind and of you're plugged in. Yeah, this actually, you're in a room and you're you're doing the things that well, the character's supposed to be doing the things that the past version is supposed to be doing as well. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. It is. It's cool. It was interesting, that take on it, but like it just went nowhere. <laughs> and by the end of it, I was like, okay, he's a full assassin now, and Jeremy Irons is a Templar, and they like vaguely mentioned the apple like once or twice. No. They hodgepodge facts from the game, and they made it mostly a Desmond story, and they didn't even have Desmond. It's just, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not happy. I'm not wasn't convinced with it. Although I will say, it did give Brian Gleeson something to do. Yes. You know, Brian Gleeson is the forgotten Gleeson son. Let's be real here. <coughs> okay, you've Donald Gleeson was in Star Wars and he's in a boatload of other films as well. <laughs> real popular. And then you've the father, Brendan Gleeson, who's also in Assassin's Creed. Very good actor. Brian Gleeson, nah, he's just kind of, he's Look at in credit where credit's due. The man was in love here. He, he was. was. very good in love. Yeah, Huey was an amazing so, character. Give him credit where credit's due. And he is good. I, I will give him that. Yes. But it's just, again... <sighs> now that we're bringing up love, <laughs> just as I was going through the analytics on our uh, on our podcast page, and I just want to point out we have actually exceeded 500 listens, <gasps> which is incredible. Thank you very Ooh. much to everyone who's been listening to the show. You're fantastic. Thank you for listening to the show and enjoying it. And listen to our waffle. Yes. But here's <laughs> the thing I've noticed. A lot of our audience is in America and Germany. <laughs> Wow. Have any of them even heard of Love Hate? And we're just here banging on about Huey from Love Hate. Uh, look. If you haven't, you need to go watch Love Hate. It's an amazing Dublin gangland show. It's an Irish production. It's actually one of the like proper kind of Irish productions. You know, like we did it here. It wasn't done by the BBC and then we aired it on friggin' RTE. It was actually done in Ireland by an Irish company. Made for Irish television. It's great. I love Love Hate. But going back to Assassin's Creed now. <laughs> Pull okay. it back. Pull it back. Let's talk about the Netflix show. Are they going to 
repeat the same mistakes is this going to be just another it's more but we don't have any info it's just no pretty info. much just saying we're going to do a yeah an assassin's creed show again it comes back to what we were talking about it's about pacing and character development yeah pick a character not in real world pick a character from the past yes and work on that give him a goal actually you could take the present character and give them a goal that was the whole point it was Desmond was trying to find the pieces of Eden. And the, the current Assassin's Creed games actually have a present day character as well. I can't remember her name because she's that forgettable. Okay, let's be real. The whole plot line is completely forgettable yeah, <laughs> in those remember. huge is RPGs. She, she's in the two of them. Yeah, she's in Origins and then she pops up again in, in Odyssey. Odyssey. And I don't know if they're going to bring that character forward in Valhalla because I never finished the game. I don't know where her story ends <laughs> up at the end of Odyssey, but look... Odyssey's a big game. It's a huge game. There's no need for it to be that long. We'd have to actually quit jobs and like take up full-time gaming. Yeah. Although, And no, I, and no one's going to pay us just to do that. No. Unless this podcast takes off with adverts, but it's not going to anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> if you'd like to sponsor us, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, look, I, I can see it working if they have uh, like set it out properly. A start and an end and a progression. And please, keep us in the past. Yeah, push the past as much as you can, because yeah. that's where Assassin's Creed is at, okay? That's where it's always been at. Right, let's get real here. If <laughs> That's where it's always been. Um, yeah, I totally agree. And they have the movie as well. They have the movie, they've seen how that performed, and they have feedback from that film. So use that. Yeah. You know, use it. Find what people didn't like about that adaptation, and then fucking, you know... <laughs> don't do that fix it don't do it again okay that's it uh obviously as this goes on we will update more on what's going on with that assassin's creed netflix show but that's all we really have to talk about on it because netflix that was nothing else it's just it's happening and that's it just accept that and move on but speaking of adaptations i don't think we talked about this last week because i don't think it actually was around when we when we did the show last week um uh uncharted Oh, yes. Uncharted, which well, has been in development hell for God knows how long. Since the first game came out, I think. The film. <laughs> yeah, there was the talks, like, literally from the first game. Yeah, it, like, it, it wrapped filming, like, the other day. Which is incredible. But, yeah, because we only really kind of got, like, oh, it started production. Yeah. I can, remember the, I can remember the image of the screenplay, the, like, the kind of the title page of the screenplay being shown off, that it was, like, the, fir- the complete and accepted draft of it. And then production had kind of been taken off. There was directors dropping in and out. But yeah, it's, it kind of just did its own thing for a while. And it's, it's finished now. Yeah, and it, we've kind of got like... It was really quiet for a long time. Yes. And then all of a sudden we've got a production shot of Tom Holland. Yes, in his full costume in on location or wherever they shot that. I don't know where it was. And we've kind of got it... We haven't seen him like a hundred percent but we've seen mark Wahlberg don a mustache for his role we've got to see sully's hawaiian green shirt yes that's it so you kind of have to mentally piece it together what sully is gonna look but i don't know there's a bit like there's a couple of things confusing me so it's obviously uh origin story yes i think they're going for a much younger version of drake in this one why is he dressed like adult Drake? 
is he though? Because now this, let's get in. Let's talk about that production still of um, Tom Holland. When I saw it initially, I did get that sort of he's Drake from the first game. Like that's very much where the looks coming from. And then I looked at it a bit more, and I can see like the younger version of Nathan Drake from the third game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Look, I, I suppose. He what, what was he wearing in that? It was a it was a white top with like red sleeves. Red sleeves, yes. See that sticks with you. Yeah. And then when you try to put it onto it, like or like a real person, it's kind of like, hey, that doesn't really work. Yeah, but after seeing the production, still, I'm a bit more confident in Tom Holland and the look of Nathan Drake and the character. Because I remember when they announced it, it was Tom Holland doing it. I was like, that's not a move. They put Spider Man in the role of Nathan Drake. It's just yeah, and again. That's the danger of certain franchises being typecast. Yes. Like, if I say Robert Downey Jr. He's Iron Man. He's Iron Man. But, like, that's just Robert Downey Jr., unfortunately. Because Chris like, Evans. Ah, oh, no, no. Chris Evans has some range, to be fair. Have you seen the film Zodiac? I have seen Zodiac. Like, Robert Downey Jr. just plays the same type of character in every film he's in. He plays Tony Stark in Zodiac. He plays Robert Downey Jr. He plays Robert Downey Jr. Now, to be fair, in The Judge, he was fantastic in that. And he did... A, it was a brilliant sort of, like, character thing he did. And then you go back to, like, the 90s, you look at Chaplin. Like, that was an amazing film, Robert yeah. Downey Jr. And he really stepped out of his comfort zone to do that sort of film. But other than that, Robert Downey Jr. is very much typecast as, he's Tony Stark, he's Iron Man, let's just leave it there. Chris Evans, no. He's got range, man. <laughs> Chris Evans can do stuff. <laughs> And he's yeah. proudly walking around with America's <laughs> ass. Okay, let's be real here. <laughs> yeah, no, look. Give Tom Holland a chance. I will give him a try after that shot. But let's talk about the other casting. Mark Wahlberg as Sully. That's so different from what I imagined. Yeah, but again, it comes back to the game and what we know and what we've played. It's the grisly vice. It's the... I think that's what makes Sully. But does Mark Wahlberg have that? No. No, he doesn't. <laughs> no. It's the really... I think what made Sully was obviously the fact of he was a lot older. Yeah. But it was the it was the vice. Even when he was younger, it was that big, strong, grisly vice that kind of made the character very distinguished. Yeah. And I don't know... See, like, again, we know what Tom Holland sounds like as an American. All I can literally hear is Brooklyn Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, or Boston. Oh, oh sorry, Boston. Boston yeah. Boston, sorry. yeah, but, like, just watch the Transformers <coughs> films he was in, and that would just say enough. Unfortunately, when I think of Mark Wahlberg these days, that is the sort of performance that I think of. It's him, you know, uncapping a bottle of Bud Light in a Transformers film and chugging a... That will forever stay with me in Mark Wahlberg's sort of criteria of films. And I'm so sorry if he is an extremely talented actor. But, he, you know, it's just when you attach yourself to something like Transformers and that is what comes out of it. I'm going to think about that when I think of you. Um, look, maybe it'll work. I don't know. Do we even know when this film's coming out? Is it coming out next year? It's 2021. Right. So it's, um, can't remember the actual month. It's going to be in around the end of spring. Yeah, it's sort of coming into the summer blockbuster time, which yeah. is the perfect time to put it out because it it's you think of Uncharted, you think summer blockbuster movie, like that's where it's gonna lie. I hope it does well. Because 
we need that sort of game and movie sort of curse to go away now. Yeah. Do you know? We it's, need to get out of that rut of... Yeah. And again, it comes back to what we've been talking in the previous podcasts and even this podcast. It's all about development. Yeah. You're taking a franchise that spans... 2007, 2017, it's 13 years. Yeah, it's a long time. It's a long time. And you can't cram 13 years of lore into a two-hour film. But it, you could if you do it right. So yeah. don't try and have an established... I think I think they are going to do like an origin because I think it'd be stupid if they tried to do a fully established... Get them started yeah. and have your progression have the first film where he bumps into Sully and he builds his relationship with Sully and he does his first treasure catch, collection. Yeah. Heist. You know, and then he gets the taste for it and it starts him on the trail of <clears> get, <throat> or like searching for Sir Francis Drake. Yeah. And then you establish the story that we know in the games. I think that would be the best thing ever because we've played the games. We know the games, but you're trying to tailor this to someone that's never played it. Yeah. You need to get their attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just wanted to really quickly bring up there, um, if they are doing the sort of origin thing when Sully meets Drake, or Drake meets Sully, whatever way you want to look at that, um, that was brought up in the third Uncharted game. And that sort of storyline is very closely linked to the story of Uncharted 3 as well. So I'd like to see how they handle that. Maybe setting it up for a possible sequel if the film does do well enough to become a franchise. Yeah. It'd be nice to see, but again, you know, you can just pace yourself and don't dedicate the entire game to fan service, you know, because that's great and all. You're doing things that were in the game. It's nice. Shut up for a minute because it's just, <laughs> no, it, you're going to, don't sacrifice your movie's quality for that. Yeah. You know, that's what we need. We need, we need a good, we need, we need good films. Our games because we don't have an awful lot. Tomb Raider was kind of okay, the, like the newest one. It wasn't great, you know. <sighs> Neither was the game. That was kind of all right. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Tomb Raider, uh, that film, <clears throat> the sequel, has actually been delayed indefinitely. All right. Yes, I didn't read it, but it's because I have no real interest in it. But <laughs> look, they del- they've delayed that film indefinitely now. We don't know when it's coming out. There you go. Uh, before we quickly wrap up for the break, <clears throat> excuse me. There's just a few. Tiny little things I want to cover really quick. The first one is Insomniac Games have announced a suit. Oh, yeah. yes. For Miles Morales, the new Spider-Man Miles Morales games coming out next month. Sorry, no, this month. <laughs> We're in November now. Um, it's on this Into the Spider-Verse film. It's that version of the suit. Now, they did that with the original Spider-Man on PlayStation 4 where they just brought the suit in, right? But this time around, they've actually animated it. That it looks like it's in the movie. It's so cool. It is. But no joke, when I saw the trailer, I genuinely thought it was like having frame rate dips. (laughs) And I'm there like, did they seriously release like a botchy fucking trailer for this game? Yeah, no, I... And I like checked the comments. And like people were saying, that's like really janky. And I don't like this. Yeah. I was like, but you're missing the whole point. Not only have they taken the suit from... The Spider-Verse. They pulled off the animation They have type. done that weird jittery. Because at the end of the day, the whole point of it is Miles Morales was finding his feet. Yeah. And that's why his animation wasn't as smooth as Peter Parker's. Yeah. And 
I think that's deadly. I really do. And they pulled it off. Real, like it looks really yeah. good. Like it's incredible just how they how they managed to do it and to do it and not affect any other part of the game as well. Because I've noticed that too. I've also noticed it doesn't come up in cutscenes. Like you'll notice it a lot more in any segments of the trailer that have gameplay, but when it comes to a cutscene, it's not there. So it hasn't fully come in in all aspects of the game. But it's it's nice to see. Yeah, you know, it I, it's a very nice little touch. I'm, I'm happy for that, you know. And I'm excited. It probably, <laughs> I'm hoping it'll be in the game at launch mm. and it won't be fucking paid DLC. <laughs> because that would just be a kick up the arse. Yeah, or like allow you to get a suit and not give it to you for like a year or a year and a half. Yeah. Which Marvel suit was that? Avengers. Oh my God, yes. That's, I'm still waiting for Spider-Man. I forgot about <laughs> Spider-Man. Oh my God. That's just, yeah. <laughs> I need to go back and actually play it again. I never finished this. So bad. And uh, just to cap off on the what spot, it's now November. We can fully say now that that Mass Effect remaster trilogy is it ain't, not coming. It ain't coming. It, you know, we made it through October. It never released. That's it. EA mustn't be doing it now. Don't know. Mm. But all the games are on Steam. You can find them somewhere on PlayStation and Xbox. Just fucking go out and buy them and play them. Just, I don't care. They're grand the way they were. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, with that said, that's the what's what. Uh, we're out here and goes to creams. So we're going to take a short break and then we're going to be back and we're going to talk about more stuff. So we'll see you after the break. Bing bong. Welcome back to the Arcade Podcast where we were talking about the what's what. And we're not going to get into that because it's very hard for me, okay? Cyberpunk 2077. Just forget about that now. Just push it out of your brain. We got other things to talk about. Let's talk about Sean Connery, who sadly passed away yesterday at the age of 90. Cinema legend. Okay. Yeah. Dude was just, you know, he was everywhere. I think. He did. He, oh, he was. He was. He did a lot of his films before I was born, and then he retired in the mid two thousands as I was finding my feet in film. So sadly, he didn't star in a lot of movies that came out when I was actually young. He did star in a few though that, when I watched them first, I thought were amazing, and then I realized they actually weren't that great. And then he starred in films that when I was younger I wouldn't have had any interest in, but as I got older. I've grown to absolutely adore them. And a few of them are the James Bond films. Uh, let's talk. I want to talk about him and I want to talk about Bond and how he sort of affected Bond. Because as big as his career was, and he's had a big career, um, he, sort of, he is a very stable part of Bond. Mm. He forever will be Bond because he was the first in 1962. Yes, it was 1962, Dr. No. Yes. Yes, and I was actually... There was... Um, it's on Ireland AM this morning, I think. Uh, who's your man that does the does the Tesco mobile ad? Simon Delaney, is it? I think, yeah. He was in Bachelor's Walk. Yes. He was telling a story on Ireland AM about how um, Sean Connery got the role of Bond back in the 60s. Oh, yeah. I, I was, yeah. And he, he went in for <clears throat> the audition. And I can't remember. It's uh, the Broccoli. I think it was like the father at that point or the grandfather. It's whoever runs it now. Uh he was in doing the audition and he watched Connery leave the building and watched him walk over to his car and he knew from that that that's, that's Bond. That's our dude. And it's just, you know, it's incredible. Like his point in Bond is just, it's an incredible time because it's so far removed from what Bond has sort of become now that you can look at the films that Connery did and it's like, yeah, that's, that's a different time in Bond's life, do you know? Mm. Or it's a different time in like the series' life, do you know? <clears throat> God, 
no air in the studio no. at all. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's sitting up going, they sound like they have COVID. <laughs> yeah, we do not. We do not. It's just the weather has been absolutely terrible. Oh, we um, just get dry. We're so dry caught up. all the time. We have, yes. Uh, but let's talk about Connery and Bond. I know I keep repeating myself, but look. Uh, he did Dr. No in 1962, followed by... Was it 1962? I keep... I think it was 1961. No. I've seen the films. Like, don't... Like, I'm not saying I didn't research them. I'm a big Bond fan. I've seen the films. Watch me try and put these together. It's going to be great. From what I think, it was Dr. No... From Russia with Love was the second movie. They're good films. Yeah. They are good films. Dr. No is a bit of a rocky start. But all of the sort of chess pieces are there, if you get what I mean. The sort of what we've grown to sort of establish as what a Bond film is. But the series didn't really take off until... 1963 or 4 with Goldfinger which is is kind of you know it's Connery at his best as Bond you know and it's in those films that we sort of we establish Bond as this suave lady killer kind of you know he's a cold blooded killer oh yeah you know he is a cold blooded killer and it was true so I think in Goldfinger the most you can see it it's sort of that's where Bond's image sort of comes forward and it comes forward through Connery and his presence on screen and as the character but if you look at the later films in Bond has that been lost do you think I don't think it's been lost I think what we as the audience I think our kind of our expectations has changed Yes. So we're more into uh, the the storytelling aspect has died down and it's more of the action. So even going back to the way the camera setups were in, say, Connery's time versus Craig's Craig's time, time. there was a lot of static imagery. So there was a camera set up in a room, all the actors were in view, and it was more like a play rather than a movie. Yeah. Whereas now it's very action-packed, fast-paced, because that's what we're accustomed to now. I think it's still there. I do think that's still the formula. But I think it's just, it's kind of like someone has literally drizzled, like, extra, extra kind of action on top of the formula. And there's, they've put a lot more work into Bond's character over the years. I, I think it's most prevalent in Craig's work. Especially in Casino Royale, they really turned that into a character narrative. Yeah. And they tried to show a true bond. And I, it's, it's something that I think, had they tried to do that in the 60s, but see, at the, at the time, it wouldn't have been something that they would have done in cinema anyway. So I, you can't imagine them doing what they did in Casino Royale in terms of Bond's character in the likes of, say, Goldfinger or From Russia with Love. Which is a shame because I think Connery would have been able to pull it off absolutely fantastically. But there's just that's what I'm talking that's what I'm trying to get at here there's such a difference between how the character has been changed like and you you can if you sort of top and tail the series with topping it with Connery and then tailing it with Craig like there is a massive difference like as I said uh, Connery's Bond's very much cold and he's hard boiled and he's just kind of gets the job done you know he's suave but gets the job done and he's very cold and hard about it Mm. and you kind of get this sense that even though he does terrible things, he's doing it for the mission. And he sort of just shakes it off. It doesn't affect him. And then you look at uh, Casino Royale. 
and look at Daniel Craig's performance. And there's one scene in particular which is an amazing scene. And if you haven't seen the film, you should because it's just fucking brilliant all the way through. But this scene in particular stands out. It's after Bond and Vesper get uh, ambushed by, I think they're Nigerians in it. Mm-hmm. There's a whole thing to do with Nigerians and then uh, Le Chief and him owing money. Yes. And uh, it gets violent, it gets bloody, people die. Vesper's shaken up by it naturally, okay? <laughs> but Bond is also shaken up by this. And you can see him standing in front of this mirror and he's trying to shake it off, he's changing his shirt. But my God, he's fucking, he's affected by this. And mm. you can see he's affected by this. And it's just, it's not something you would have seen in Connery's time. But it's also not something you would have seen in the likes of, say, Roger Moore or Timothy Dalton or Pierce Brosnan or, bless him, George Lazenby. <laughs> I was thinking, you're leaving him out. Oh, no, I can't leave out George Lazenby because it's actually not a bad film. The one he was in on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. I remember I, like, I came back from England this is a great, great story now. Came <laughs> back from England. It was 2016, I think, and uh, I had bought the Bond 50th anniversary collection, which came with every film up as far as uh, Skyfall. Sky, yeah, Skyfall. <laughs> is that the one that it gave you an empty box? Yeah, there was an empty sort of... Uh, there was a, it came with everything up till Skyfall, but it gave you like an empty slot. So that you could go out and buy Spectre and then put Spectre in just to complete the collection. <laughs> but the problem was Spectre's disc doesn't match the rest of the fucking collection's discs. Oh. So it just looks really weird. Like you go through them all and it's like a black sort of print. 007 blended in the background and then the film's title on top. You're like, oh yeah, that's so nice. Then you get to the end of the craze when you're like Spectre and it's just him standing <laughs> on the box and it's all different colour. You're like, that's horrible. Just My OCD is killing me now. <laughs> it's just no. Um... I'm not losing much of thought here. But yeah, I did go through all of the films. And you can sort of, you can track how they change Bond. You can track it though, at least in the George Lazenby type. Because as I said, Connery became a monument in Bond. Very, very quickly in the 60s. The computer's bloopity blooping over there. Let's move on. Um, but yeah, I think it was after Diamonds Are Forever. He decided he had enough. And he wanted to actually move on with the character, from the character. And that, at the time now, that was not something that you did, you know. And they needed to find a way to sort of change the character around. And they brought in George Lazenby. And it didn't, didn't go all that well at all. So much so that they brought Connery back for the next film. And then he left again and Roger Moore came in. Yeah. Yeah. You've, have you seen a lot of the Roger Moore era? I have. Yes. I think, as Irish people, <laughs> you know... Bond has a very special place <laughs> yeah. in our hearts because he sort of he associate Bond with Sunday Sunday afternoon RT2 fucking thing you know there's always a Bond film playing on RT2 on a Sunday and it's just you know I have so many memories of yeah. uh, Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan as the character do you know yeah you don't know what I'm talking about do you? I do <laughs> you're there searching your childhood memories like did I forget that maybe I did no you are right, but I think it's your generation is more Brosnan and Craig, whereas when I was growing up, <laughs> it was, um, I would say it was him, and then probably a bit of, I've seen Timothy Dalton. Yeah. I definitely, I can remember that being on RT2. Yeah. 
There are people are listening going, what is RT2? <laughs> <laughs> it's the second RT1. Yeah, but like, yeah, no, I do remember. And like, you would sit down. Like, it, the whole premise of Secret Agent and, you know, I think it's the charisma. Yeah. And then, like, the whole thing of shake and not stirred. You cannot say that and not put on a Scottish accent. No. Because it's just, there's a way that it rolls out with Connery that it didn't roll out with other people. Yeah. But then, like, like Connery actually took the role seriously. Like, when you go to Roger Moore, he didn't take the role seriously at all because he couldn't, he couldn't take a super spy seriously if the super spy is going to go into everywhere and introduce himself by name. <laughs> yeah, but it was kind of like Doctor Who. Yeah. So each character, they're playing the same character. But they're putting their own spin on it. Yeah. And I found Brosnan to be very quirky. Mm. Versus um, Timothy Dalton. He was very... Dalton's performance, while I do enjoy it, it's very... It's sort timid. Of, it's it's not, I wouldn't even call it timid. Well, there's a stern. reason. Stern. Stern. Yes. Stern. He's, the, he's the boy scout of the group, I would call it. Yeah. I think the timidness comes in and bless uh, poor Dalton's... Uh, um, Bond because he was uh, he was I'm trying to think of a word here I want to talk about he wasn't allowed to have sex basically because <laughs> unfortunately he took the, over the role at the height of the 80s and the AIDS epidemic yes so people weren't you know it wasn't being promoted to go out and book everything you saw let's be honest pretty much because you know people were getting a serious disease out of it it wasn't pretty and they basically said yeah no Bond can't do that anymore because that's just that's a no go Okay, it's not safe. So yeah, Dalton unfortunately did suffer from that. Uh, but he was Dalton actually was offered the role when um, Connery was leaving. Oh right. Yes, and he actually considered himself too young to play it at the time. And um, this this happens quite a number of times during the uh, the Bond run. I think uh, it was after Roger Moore was leaving. Um, Pierce Brosnan was offered the role. And he actually considered himself too young to uh, take it on. So he left it and Dalton took over. And then we got Brosnan in the 90s in easily another one of the best films ever, which is Goldeneye. Yes. You've seen that one. I have seen You have seen that one. Sean Bean. You just know how that film's going to end. Sean Bean's going to die. That's a given. (laughs) Not only does he die, he dies twice. (laughs) Yeah. Because he got to come back halfway through. And uh, most recently... Um, Henry Cavill auditioned for the role when Craig was taken over and uh, didn't get it because he was actually too young right yes yes Bond's had a long run and currently Daniel Craig is the longest running Bond now I think he's over like 17 years as the character is it 17? no 2006 2016 10 years 14 years 14 years, 14 years. and he's only had like Five films, yeah, but he's gonna have. It'll be fifteen years because it's not No time to die is going into next year now. At this point, yeah, they've sort of they've taken it away from the twenty twenty release because unfortunately theaters are all over the place at this point. I've also heard through the grapevine that uh, No Time to Die is actually up for grabs for VOD. <gasps> yes, and the studio is offering it up at six hundred and sixty million. Holy. Yes. Uh, obviously, Netflix 
and the likes of Amazon Prime would be the biggest sort of ones to kind of snatch this one up. But even they're shying away from the price. But can you blame them? Because that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, but it's a big ass film. This film would have cost an awful lot to sort of you know get you, out. There. Are you going to make a pack? Exactly. Even How are you going to make a pack? It's dangerous because they're not going to make a pack. Yeah, but they're also. I did read that they've in the space of because this film was going to come out in April, like Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. They've since then they've lost upwards of fifty million dollars already because the film hasn't gone out yet. Like it's crazy just how much the world has been changed by this and how much it's been affecting things. Yeah. Um like I'm hoping one day we'll get this film. You know, maybe next year, who knows? <laughs> At this point. But look, give me your honest opinion on Bond, Stephen now. We're gonna we're gonna dial it back now, rather than talking about Bond and what it means. Let's what do you think of the character and the films in general as a whole? Yeah. I I I like <laughs> yeah. it. No, yeah. No. I I like it and it hasn't like I know you said that the formula has changed. But the presence of Bond and what Bond is didn't really change. Our expectations of you know, we wanted more action over gripping story. Yeah. And um I find it quite entertaining, and the fact that it's lasted this long, like it's, it's going since the sixties, yeah, which is phenomenal, and like, no one gives out, no, <laughs> that Bond is going that long. Everyone gives out about Fast and Furious, yeah, because those films don't really have a point. I, but, <laughs> as I said, people give out about it because, but it's ticking the box. It's ticking. It's ticking the action, but Bond has something. That other films don't. Yeah. And it was set up with Connery. It was. So the formula that Connery put in place, everyone has stuck to it. The charismatic, you know, agent. He's Agents are cool. Yeah. When in real life, agents are boring. <laughs> you know, and that was the whole thing. That's why James Bond exists. It's it's fiction and it's, you know, it, it idolizes them. It makes them look cool. Yeah. And everyone wanted to be an agent. I wanted to be a secret agent. No, you yeah. probably wanted to be a secret agent. At one point, I even bought some of that like spy gear that they release for kids. <laughs> it's the weird glasses or to set up the door alarms and everything. It yeah. was all great. Um, I do think Connery's Bond was sort of the Bond that captured Ian Fleming's Bond from the novels mm. the most. Because, as I said, he's sort of, he's a, he's a lady killer. You know, he's, he's got the hard-boiled edge to him. He's also paranoid as fuck. Okay. <laughs> there's like, I've, I think it's Dr. No. There's a whole like 15 minute segment where he's going around his hotel room. Like checking for wires. Checking for wires. He's rubbing every fucking surface you could see. If this was like 2020, you know, he'd be done for spreading coronavirus. Because <laughs> he's touching all these fucking surfaces. Uh, but there's also, this is a great trick that he, do, that he uses in the film that unfortunately rarely comes up in any future Bond movies. Where he takes a bit of his hair and he sellotapes it to a door. And then if he comes back and checks to see if the hair is broken, he knows someone's been in the room. And it's deadly. I think that's such a cool thing. It's never been done since in any of the Bond films, as far as I'm aware. No, I don't think it has. Or in any spy movie that I can think of. Well, they wouldn't do no. it in Mission Impossible because Tom Cruise doesn't have time to... Have you seen his hair? Why would you pull a bit of that out? <laughs> it's amazing hair. <laughs> it's just beautiful. Um, 
But now, let's move on. What's your favourite Bond? Or who's your favourite Bond, I should say. Not what's your favourite. Who's Ooh, your favourite? My favourite Bond. It's probably a... <sighs> That's hard. Um, as Craig's developed, so he's gotten more movies. Yeah. I tend to lean towards him. But before it, it was Brosnan. Yeah. Because he was in, like, the 90s. I'm... The 90s. <laughs> so I... <laughs> I grew up with... Pierce Brosnan. And then... Once I got into the whole Bond franchise... Then I started to go back and watch Connery and... You know, Dalton and... And like... But... If I was to choose, I would probably choose... Pierce Brosnan. It's just... It feels 90s. If if you go back and watch the film... Yeah. <laughs> even though it's high-tech gadgets... Still feels very nineties. Oh yeah, absolutely. And again, I think I do agree with you. Like, if I had to say, if you asked me the question initially, I would lean towards Craig because, in terms of the portrayal of the character, it's Craig that I think does it the best. Mm. But I think that's because they've they've developed Bond with Craig in such a way that it's just it's he's a very relatable character because he, as I, as I said in Casino Royale, you can see that stuff that happens to him in the movies actually affects him. You know, it's not like he shakes it off and walks away. But again, Connery, it is sort of like they managed to bring in sort of the wackiness of the Roger, the later Roger Moore years, but also brought back that sort of hard boiled edge that Connery had. So you have this like you'd have certain moments in the film where Bond sort of gets a bit gruff and rough with people. And then this just completely goes off the wall a bit then because it's just like, oh, yeah, we've got this car that controlled by a remote control in your phone which Sony would then actually go on to develop and make into a real thing because you, you can make play video games on your phone and it was the same fucking layout yeah it was ridiculous and also poor Brosnan never got to drive the B- the the Aston Martin yeah he broke the mould yeah he he favoured the German BMW he did I don't know how. I, they obviously signed a they big deal. They struck a deal with them. Absolutely. It's like um, when Craig in Skyfall is drinking the Heineken. I thought it was such a big deal. It was Bond got Heineken. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. Uh, but yeah, fucking Pierce Brosnan driving the BMW. He did eventually get to drive the Aston Martins at the very end of yeah. the Die Another Day. Die Another Day, yeah. Yes, he gets, um, he gets the, I think it's the V12 Vanquish he gets. Which was a prototype at the time, wasn't yes. it? Yes. It hasn't been properly... It hadn't been properly released. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, it was, yeah. And then it did get released. Rowan Atkinson bought one <laughs> and then used it in Johnny, Johnny English, English. Which is just like... Uh, and there's there's another film you can bring up now. Johnny English, it's a brilliant parody of... James Bond. James Bond. But, like, it does it in such a way that, like, it's really, it's really well done. Like, like... Johnny English is obviously we could do a whole but you, podcast on parodies I think w- what makes that cool is the two of them could coincide with one another yes so you can imagine that somewhere out there there is a James Bond somewhere in MI6 there, <laughs> there is another agent who is absolutely shit at his job <laughs> and he still magic he still manages to be employed yeah by MI6 or MI5 or which is the real one MI5 is the real MI5 one. is the real MI6 one. is who James Bond works for and then MI7 is who Johnny English Johnny works English for. works for yes yeah. 
I also want to point out that the only reason Johnny English gets a job as a spy in the Johnny English film is because every other spy gets killed <laughs> uh, at a funeral at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and then for his reborn, no. The Johnny Jump English with... reborn was the second one. What's the third one? Johnny English something. Re something. Yeah, and the only reason why he gets to come back is because every active agent has been outed. Yeah. So they literally... But like, he's been off the grid for so long that no one knows who he's... So they get like... They call in all the old fogies to <laughs> come back into service. And it's like... So the only reason why you're being called back it's not because you were good at your job. It's because literally there is nobody else. Yeah. And uh, Johnny English, the first film in particular, had actually its own song. It actually had its own version of the Bond song. It did. Yeah, and it was done by Robbie Williams, <laughs> of all people. Fresh out of Take That, doing his own thingamajiggy, and he does a Johnny English song. Now, you say about James Bond, talk about James Bond. The music is just as iconic as the characters. Oh, God, yeah. Like, that theme song, like, you could hear, like, the opening bars of that theme song, and you'd know that's James Bond. Yeah. Or even just, like, the subtle, like, incidental shit. You know it's a James Bond film because it just has that sort of ring to it. Um, the songs are obviously iconic, you know, and they just get better as you go in. Yeah, but I think it's, a, it's an honour to be chosen. Oh, absolutely. You know, and like... Absolutely. If you go back, it, it obviously because it's the 60s and it's the way it was designed and it was... Some of it sounds very cringy, you know. Yeah, but unfortunately it suffers from that 60s sort of... What was popular at the time sort of does roll into it. Now you have some bangers. Friggin' Tom Jones and uh, Thunderball, Shirley Bassey's uh, Goldfinger. Yeah. Shirley Bassey's actually done quite a few. She, Diamonds Are Forever. Yes. That's an amazing song. Covered by Arctic Monkeys. Absolutely amazing cover. <laughs> amazing song. But I just... The Bond songs are amazing because we have that transition up from the 60s through the 70s and into the 80s if you even go through music itself and track that timeline music just gets weird because the 80s were an incredibly weird time yeah and bond is no different <laughs> and by the end of the 80s you have duran duran coming in with <laughs> a view to a kill and again here's a great story of how they landed that gig they rang up the producers and basically said to them when are you going to let someone good do a Bond song and that's how they landed the role, the gig to do the fucking Bond song for that film wow it's absolutely amazing it's gotten a bit predictable though in recent years like I've been able to call out who's going to do the film since I think Skyfall yeah because it's all to do with record sales unfortunately yes but also some of them are really you know they're well done now, yeah look I know we're going to say like it's all to do with record sales but the artists that are actually doing it are quite phenomenal yeah like I remember I think it was around the time Skyfall had come out, or was going to come out. Adele was really sort of, she was up there in the charts at the time. And we all kind of thought, well, if anyone's going to get it, it's going to be either Beyonce or Adele. And then Adele wound up getting it. And we were like, oh, okay, yeah. And then I remember coming up to Spectre's release. I was like, oh, well, have you heard Sam Smith sing? <laughs> like, <laughs> of course, you know, like that's the way they're going to go with it. And yeah, Sam Smith got it. And Billie Eilish really, you know, that was kind of weird. I wasn't yeah. expecting Billie Eilish to nail it down and I'm not a huge fan of her music and I didn't think she would have pulled off a Bond song but on repeat listens yeah she's actually really pulled it off and it sounds really good fortunately it hasn't turned me over to her actual music <laughs> but uh, no she did a fantastic job and 
and for the inner Smith's baby that's inside me, Johnny Marr does guitar in that fucking song. Oh, and I found that out. It just whoosh, went straight up in my uh, backlog, catalog, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great song, and it actually gives me like me- immeasurable hype for the film that's never going to come out, like Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, I know we've spent so long rambling about uh, Bond, but let's go back to Connery really quick. And let's talk about those brief films that Connery was in that I watched growing up. And I want to talk about one in particular, which was The League of Gentlemen. Yes. Yes. Uh, the franchise that was not a franchise. Yes. And it's such a fun story and a really sad story kind of as well of how Connery wound up in that role. So Connery got offered the role of Gandalf in the lord of the rings but didn't fully grasp the concept of the film and said no to it and then obviously lord of the rings went on to be a fucking massive success claimed nearly every oscar three years in a fucking row happy days so the next script that rolled around that connery didn't fully grasp the concept of he kind of jumped at because he thought well you know the last one was a fucking major success maybe this one will be too and yeah it flopped wasn't that great but there was a good idea there yeah in that film okay so we've got we've got connery's character who is like a you call him like a lone ranger type character expert marksman yes kind of but he's paired up with the invisible man like fucking dracula's wife captain nemo captain nemo dr jekyll and mr hyde of the same person uh dorian gray dorian gray and uh Moriarty, I think. The Sherlock Holmes Moriarty is like the villain of the fucking yes. thing. Like, it's such a crazy film. Like, you think about the, the League of Gentlemen, you're like... Oh, sorry, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, yes. I should say. The League not, of Gentlemen Not, not to be brilliant. confused with the League of Gentlemen, which is absolutely amazing. Series. But, oh my God, well, it's scared to live in crap out of you if you have no idea what you're going into. <laughs> I would recommend anybody watch the League of Gentlemen and immediately follow it up with Inside Number 9 because it's just two fantastic shows but the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen there was a good premise there it had set itself up yes. so it, it did deliver it was it was sci-fi not really sci-fi but fantasy it was sci-fi fantasy really it was a mix of the two but the story premise was really good and it did actually set itself up for a sequel yeah which we never got but like you said he jumped at it I thought he did really well in it. Oh yeah, his, his performance in it is absolutely amazing. But Connery is a, or was a, amazing actor. Had an amazing presence. It's just unfortunately, the people who were cast in the other roles couldn't keep up with that level of performance yeah. that he brings to the table. Uh, would you go to a reboot of that? If it happened? Or a remake? I don't know. Would you give it a second run? The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? No. Oh. No, I wouldn't, and I'll tell you why. It. It's done. So, you can't really top his performance. That's true. And no one can really fill his boots now. So, like, doing a whole reboot, it's just... I wouldn't go see it. Personally, I wouldn't go see it. <laughs> no. I'd be intrigued now to see if it did happen, where they would go with it. Mm. But look... We have, we have what we have, and we have to live with that. That's where it is. And I think on that note, it's a good place to end the show. So it's time to cash in your tokens and finish up your games because the arcade is now closed. 
forever. <laughs> not forever. <laughs> no, not forever. We just got going. What are you talking about? We'll be back next week. We will be back next week. We'll be back next Monday. All of all as well. Uh, talking more stuff about things. More waffle. More waffle. And just going complete edgeways on different topics. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed. And uh, if you want to keep up with all the other witty banter that we do all the time, which we don't do all the time because I don't post on the social medias, but you can follow us on social media to stay up to date. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at TRK Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And also, don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast on whatever podcast player you listen to because not only does it help us out, it also helps you out because you're never going to miss out on when we post an episode. Yes. Yes, yes, that's yes. where it is. Anyway, with that said, I've been Sean. And I've been Stephen. And this has been the Arcade Podcast. We are signing off.